Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. The music is dead. Long live the music. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. Uh, my name is Kyle Hawk, and I am here with our senior editor, Kyle Schultz, coming all the way from Chicago, as almost always. Kyle, what's up? Howdy. Not a whole lot, buddy. Cool. Well, we decided to have you back. We almost turned Pigeon John into a, um, a regular guest, but uh, I've been talked off the ledge, and, and we're going to give you another shot. Um, so you, you've got a lot to prove, but, um, you know, we'll we'll see what we'll see what shakes out was he prettier than me oh yeah definitely but I, you know <laughs> for everyone listening if you can't tell i'm joking we're good buds kyle and i and kyle's never going to be replaceable no matter what pigeon john or anyone else says so um yeah so today we're doing this podcast because we are talking about pop punk and i know that's a shocker um we've never covered that subject on our website before um just kidding. We covered almost every day, but we are having a particular discussion because of the recent uh, groundswell of articles amongst even a lot of major media outlets about the question is pop punk about to come back and be big again. Um, and it all kind of, it seemed to start recently amongst our community with um, an article alternative press ran online about five seconds of summer and how they kind of like were the epitome of what could be the second coming of pop punk being a mainstream force. And so I want to start off there. I know you've had a chance to listen to uh, five seconds of summer and before we get into whether they're going to be what they actually are and what their role is. I, I want to get your take on uh, what you took away after listening to them. Well, um, my really the only issue I have with them is they sound too generic. Like they're definitely, if you're going from a pop punk, perspective they're definitely not the worst band i've ever heard but they definitely lean way more to the popular side which i can see why that would make them uh you know as big as they have been i guess but the only thing i really have to say against them is they just sound generic like i don't understand why they've exploded yeah i'm the same way i it's not pop punk to me um and i'm not trying to be one of those guys that like is a jerk about like labeling things, but it's not pop punk to me. It's pop music. And that's fine because, you know, I like a lot of pop music and I'm, I'm totally cool with having guilty pleasures and liking what you like. Um, a lot of people know, I mean, the cat's been out of the bag a long time. I'm an unabashed fan of Katy Perry's music. Not saying she's like the best musician of all time, but I enjoy her music for what it is. Five seconds of summer. They're a pop band to me. And they just weren't interesting. Like I, I cannot seem to get into them to a level where, man, I really want to listen to this. And this is on top of the fact that that band doesn't really seem to have any connections as far as I can tell with the pop punk community as we know it. So I'm not, I'm not sure how they would ever be a band that would lead to another band and of what we know the community of pop punk to be right now to get big. I just, I don't see that as being a thing. Well, I can see a bit of a relation. Like, they don't sound any worse than some of all-time lows, like, popular moments and stuff like that. But sure. it's just there's nothing they do that really stands out. Like, the most I can really see is that their influences are, you know, Blink-22 and uh, The Day to Remember and stuff like that. But it's just, it leans so far to the pop side, it's hard to find the correlation other than the fact that they actually play music. Right. So unless they, you know, decide to start taking some bands on tour, um, I, I don't see how they're going to be some sort of a gateway because I just don't feel like they're a part of 
of this community, regardless of influence or whatever, just because I, I don't know if anybody amongst like fans of the music that we write about at our website, I don't think a whole lot of those people are listening to five seconds of summer. I think it's a completely different audience that has no interest in uh, pop punk in general. They just, for some reason have caught on to this band because they're cute guys maybe, or because they, they're able to Adorable. write some catchy songs. I, I don't really know, but um, that's the situation. That's, that's why I can't really get down with alternative press's assessment that um, this is going to spark some new, um, wave of pop punk crossing over. Um, but it, it wasn't just that one article because this year, um, Grantland, Steve Hyden at Grantland wrote a piece about uh, modern baseball in the wonder years, which is just incredible. Um, Grantland's one of the biggest pop culture websites out there right now. So the fact that their biggest music writer had this feature article on it, if you haven't read it, you should, it's, it's incredible. It's, uh, he talks a lot with Dan from the wonder years. There were some mm -hmm. great conversations, in there that I thought were amazing. Billboard has run some pieces. Um, and a lot of like bigger sites have run some stuff on some bigger bands and profiling um, bands in our scene. Billboard just ran an article last week on Rise Records and how huge they are. And so that's raised the question that a lot of people have been asking. Okay, let's assume Alternative Press is right. And Five Seconds of Summer does bring some sort of new wave of pop punk to the mainstream. What bands right now do we have that are going to make that crossover? Um, and so my argument is going to be that there's not any. I, I want to hear your thoughts. Like if you if you think there's a band out there right now that's going to accomplish that. The only two I can really think of that would have any type of hope with that is All Time Low and The Wonder Years they're the only ones that seem to have the power behind their music that could actually bridge that gap. And the Wonder Years are doing it on their own steam. Like they're picking up the fans they need to push themselves forward, but they're not a band that's going to get widespread acclaim, uh, you know, and radio play and stuff like that. And right. it all kind of turned disastrous for all time low for a little bit. Yep. And that's the exact argument I was, I've got an argument to make against both of those bands first all-time low they were that band like everybody thought they were going to explode like 2009 it was just it was a, almost a foregone conclusion of like this is it this is the second coming of pop punk being this huge thing they got the major label deal they co-wrote songs with big name people they got a big push to put out dirty work and it absolutely bombed like not only did the band's original fans hate the album but nobody else liked it either like it, it was just it was a disaster that led to all-time low basically revitalizing their career by going back to hopeless records. And it just, and you watch the whole thing happen. It was like, wow, this makes total sense. Like all time low, there isn't a market for that anymore. As far as mainstream pop radio goes, they belong in a place like hopeless records. It's a home. They have a great audience. Um, they've got great support there. And when they're not co-writing songs with people, they make great music on their own. Um, so that, that's my take on that. Well, I'd say there's a place for it in uh, mainstream music, but the thing is, All Time Low, I feel like, got ahead of themselves. Like, uh, Dirty Work was just, it wasn't a good album. Like, it had a few select good songs on it, but it's just, they took some of the energy away from the writing. Like, they're focusing too hard on making radio-friendly material because everyone expected it to be that. Yeah. They weren't writing the music that actually got them the fan base that got them to where they needed to be. And I feel like had they just stayed on, I, I mean, I'm simplifying it really, but 
you know, if they just been uh, not trying so hard, it might have worked more in their favor. Like even uh, Blink One Eight Two, when they rose to the fact uh, to the scene back in '98, I remember reading stuff. They had no idea why they got there. I remember Tom DeLonge wrote that they wrote in the state in two weeks, and then it just started exploding. And they're sitting there not understanding why it happened. Right. But I, I think that it, I almost feel like it's changed too much for something like that to happen. I feel like so. What you're saying is, if All Time Low had progressed like the next natural step from nothing personal, and progressed from there, um, writing that same style of music and and put that album out instead of Dirty Work, that they would have succeeded and they would have like completely crossed over. Is that would you? Is that what you're saying? I don't know if it would have been a complete crossover, but it definitely would have had more of an impact than uh, the radio-friendly material they're making. Right, but the the question is that we that we don't know the answer to. At least I I don't know if that much information has been re- revealed. Is how much they were forced to co-write the songs that they co-wrote. I don't know That's if that true. was a, the band's decision or if the label said, "Hey, you're gonna get." you know, in the same room with these people and they're going to write songs and, and we're going to make it work because that's the way it happens a lot of times. And if they were forced to do that, then it was screwed from the beginning. Uh, same thing happened with Mayday Parade. Like they got signed after their first album, co-wrote a ton of songs and it bombed. And that, that seems to be a trend. So mm-hmm. at this point we would be having to make the argument that whatever this style of music is going to get cool again. And that, yeah. go ahead. Sorry, the I was gonna say the only other band I can think of that came close was Newfound Glory back in the day. Yeah. Um, and they like kind of did. Were, yeah, they got really big, but I don't think they ever got a major label. I think they stuck with Drive Through for the most part. But um, their thing is they just never reached that high plateau. They got to the point where they're widely respected and widely known, but they weren't a radio band. I think I feel like they got to the point where they could have been, and then they just kind of took a step back for a little bit and now they're rising back up through the rings. Yeah. And so th- there was that late nineties swell of, you know, like blink one, a to uh, newfound glory. You could throw them in there. Then there was that mid two thousand swell where all of a sudden yellow card was big fallout boy, Paramore. Um, and so that was that though. And I, I don't know if, whatever's happening right now, because I think we we're both in agreement about the great stuff happening in pop punk right now. And the wonder years are a band that like epitomize that mm-hmm. to me that they're like the face of what of like really good pop punk music is right now. And so in that Grantland piece that Steve Hyden wrote, he was talking about that. Of like, is this style of music music going to be cool again? Because it's, it hasn't been cool. It's not cool to like write a really sad album about like how stressed, out and frustrated you are about your depression and um, life not going the way that you thought it was after you went to college and stuff. And so it would have to be like this large group of people deciding that's cool subject matter. And that's a cool way to express that subject matter again. And the reason that I'm not totally sold on that getting big is because in that article, he's interviewing Soupy and he, he's um, Subi sharing the story about when they did a warp tour with motion city soundtrack last year, which is another band that tried to cross over and it didn't really work. And they, he said the guys in motion city soundtrack were sharing the story with them about how they hit that point. They're like, you know, we're done playing warp tour every year. We should sign with a major label. We should get big. Like we should go be playing at these cool venues and be this respected band. And they tried it and it didn't work. 
And at, in that moment, they realized like, holy crap, we just like said F you to all of our fans who've stuck with us and said, we don't want to be a part of that scene anymore. We want to do something bigger than that before realizing like, that's where our home is. Like, that's where we belong. These people love us. That's the music we love to make. What were we thinking? And so that ingrained in Soupy and the rest of the guys in the Wonder Years minds that why should we leave the Warp Tour scene? Like just because, you know, we think that we could be bigger or we could be cooler or something. It's like, no, that our fans are in this scene. These are the people that love us. These are the people that respect what we're doing. This is where we belong. And I thought that was a really awesome way to view it because that hasn't been the way a lot of bands have viewed it. Just like time has shown that it, that's people don't want to stay in the warp tour scene. They want to move on from that. Yeah, that is a really interesting view. Um, yeah. And the other thing is with that major success comes the backlash from uh, all their fans. Like everyone that supports you while you're still young in the game, there tends to be a, large proportion of them that just stop listening and yeah. your new fans are you know younger girls and stuff like that right yeah i mean you know if the wonder years write their next album and it sounds like another awesome progression from just like it was from suburbia to greatest generation and suddenly that gets huge because people decide that that's really cool music awesome but if they were to completely try and change something to meet some sort of new criteria to be what would be deemed, I guess, as a successful band that would piss all of us off because they are really, they're doing a great job at what they're doing. And I don't want them to stop doing a really good job for the sake of some, you know, idea of being this bigger band. Mm -hmm. So, um, but so we've said all this, let's talk for a minute about, let's just say that it is going to happen. Um, you had talked about all time low and, um, the Wonder Years. I'm going to throw out a, a few band names myself, and I'll get your response on them. I don't know how, okay. how much um, how much you've listened to the uh, the Summer Set. Not very much at all. Okay, so they're a band that's kind of right up that uh, Five Seconds of Summer alley. And to be honest, I feel like they write better songs than Five Seconds of Summer does. And they've I, I felt for a while they've been on the verge of like being what like being what five seconds of summer is right now and for whatever reason it hasn't happened um, but i feel like if there was a band that was going to get noticed it could definitely be them and also we are the in crowd i i remember kind of razzing you a little bit when you gave that new album such a great score on your review earlier this year and i i was listening to it uh earlier this week and that album's grown on me it's really good that was part of the reason i gave it such a high score just it does manage to catch you even if it's not like the most progressive album there is it does have that tick to it that i felt all classic albums had yeah yeah there's definitely something more going on there that i think than what i thought when i was first listening to it it's it's a huge progression from the first album which is something i said it wasn't i take that back i will eat my words it's really good uh, are they a band that you feel like if it was going to happen you could see them getting big I could definitely see that happening with them. Um, and like I said, their first album I wasn't really impressed with. And the second album, I loved it the first time I heard it. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, I might have scored it a little too high than it deserved. But I stand by the fact that I think it is one of those really good albums that the generation that's listening to Five Seconds of Summer, if they got to We Are the In Crowd with that like if they made that progression, I could see them getting hooked onto the scene from there. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree completely. And Tay, the the lead vocalist, she's got that personality about her that you feel like people could latch onto and identify with and feel cool about being a part of. And that's another b- big thing for me that I, I feel like she has that thing um, that people would really go for. My only issue is I feel like we are the in crowd are still so new to the scene almost. It almost feels like it'd be cheating if uh, they made it that big, though. Because there's so many other bands that have been around for so long, like it, it, it sounds kind of shitty of me, but it almost feels like they haven't earned it yet, you know? Yeah, I can see that. Um, and I think it's just like any when there's almost like any female fronted pop punk band in this scene that comes out. There's the immediate Paramore uh, comparisons, which is unfair. Um, and I mean, I guess I get it, but it's, I, I don't abide by that of like, Oh, here's another band trying to be Paramore. That was their problem. Stumbling out of the gate is they immediately had that on them. Um, and Oh, well, you're not as good as Paramore, which is really unfair. Um, and so they're, they've had to kind of fight through that and grow, uh, past that. That is really tough battle. Um, my only real comparison with them to Paramore is, uh, I can't remember what songs it were, but when I was reviewing it, there were a few songs where uh, Tay hit this note and it sounded exactly like Haley Williams. And that's where I found the comparison. They yeah. both have that pitch in the voice. That's just like perfect for that style of singing. They do have a, they do have a, there's similarities there. I think they, Paramore is a completely different band now than they were, which by the way, I don't know if you saw, but uh, they got their first top 10 single um, today. It was announced at, which is hard. Like oh, really? I, yeah, I almost like can't get that through my brain. Like, wait, just now they're getting their first top ten single, but ain't it fun? Crack the top ten on uh, Billboard charts today, um, which is just crazy. I mean, good for them. Who would who would have thought this? Like that all they have really stood the test of time and come back from like a near collapse to now being bigger than they've ever been. Like, I, I still can't seem to wrap my head around that. Well, in that case, why the hell are we talking about five seconds of summer? Paramore is the way to go. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I think the, the reason there is, um, for one, they've been around for a while and two, like, ain't it fun? I don't know. Would you call that a pop punk track? I mean, I, there's a, there's some pop punk influence on the self-titled album, but it's not like a prevalent thing. I don't think. No, they're, they definitely lean more towards the side of pop with that one as well, but just everything else behind them is definitely pop punk. Yeah. So, I mean, but there's another thing about five seconds of summer. We can talk about like they're, you know, having their moment right now. They're not going to be Fallout Boy or Paramore, who now all these years later, I mean, this summer, the Monument Tour, I mean, basically selling out every date, these two bands um, that have kind of grown out of the pop punk genre, um, or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't see five seconds of summer being that band that like in 10 years, they're going to be headlining this big arena tour that is going to be selling out. I, I could be totally wrong and that's not fair for me to make that assumption, but <laughs> there's something different to me between them and what we saw like 10 years ago when fallout boy and panic of the disco and a lot of these other bands started getting big. Yeah, there is definitely a different type of presentation with them. The thing with Fisting of the summer, like I said, it's, it's very generic sounding. Like uh, I think it's a song. She's so perfect. Something like that. There's a lyric about, she looks so good standing in her American Eagle underwear. Yeah, American That's, Apparel underwear. <laughs> yeah, something some along this. It's not going to last more than like a year or two. No, it's terrible. That line, I yeah. can't even. I can't even listen to that song because that line. Because I can't. I, I just the first time I heard it, I, I I think I like visibly cringed. Like I was like, oh no, don't do that. 
So I think the real issue is here. You have something against American Apparel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I just, I don't know. It's just, it just didn't feel right. It's weird, but. I feel like they're a band you could hear, like, in the background of a supermarket or something. You're like, okay, yeah, and just kind of, yeah, you know, pick up some lean pockets or something while they're jamming, and then you leave and you never hear them again. Yeah, I agree. Let's hope those guys aren't listening to this podcast. They're going to hate us. Um, look, five seconds of summer. We're sure you're nice guys. It's and just you're more beautiful thing. than Pigeon John. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is true. Um, five seconds summer on the next It's All Dead podcast. No. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm looking through a couple others here. Modern Baseball, have you listened to them? I actually haven't yet. They're on my uh, to-do list. Yeah. So they're another band that, you know, they've been talked about recently. I don't see them getting huge, but they're kind of in that sort of Wonder Years vein where they're doing it right. Um, the Hotelier is another band like that. Um, I think there's just a lot of like really good music coming out of the scene right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's harder stuff like Let Live or the you know poppier stuff like The Wonder Years, and I don't, I just I would hate to see some of that sacrificed for some sort of like pie in the sky idea of we can make one this band, bigger. Sorry, uh, one band I could see really doing it is Fireworks, even though that seems so far out of the league of what they're doing right now, they're a band that straddles that fine line between like, you know, punk songs and then the popular quieter songs and stuff. They're a band that I feel like if they played their cards right, maybe if like their management really put them out there, they could hit that perfect radio level. But I mean, it's not something I see happening, but it's a band that I would understand if they did hit big like that. Yeah, I agree. Although it's just still like drives me batty, like how few people are into that band. It just doesn't mm-hmm. seem to make sense. I don't. I don't know why they're not bigger than they are. I think they've definitely earned a ton of respect, but they haven't like even become big in this scene in the way that like the Wonder Years did. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what the deal is there. I think we could probably both agree the biggest band. I, maybe we don't agree. I'm just. I don't know why even know why I said that. But to me, the biggest band in the scene right now clearly is a day to remember. Am I right or wrong there? Yeah, I can see that. They're definitely one of the bigger headliners of the scene at the moment. Yeah. And definitely one of the most well-respected. I mean, they, they just self-released their album last year and still, like, just by releasing their album, you could only download it through their own website, not even on iTunes or anywhere, still put out bigger numbers than most bands in the scene can do. Like, to me, that's a, a telling sign. Like, if they'd had a label push and were able to release the album in stores on opening week, on iTunes, everywhere else. I mean, they just would have absolutely annihilated everyone. Um, oh, definitely. But again, they, they uh, because of the screaming and the and the breakdowns, they're not a band that's going to like, you know, be on top 40 radio or something. So, um, no. Trying to think if there's anybody else. We the Kings, that's another band. Remember, like, that Holy band. Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> how hard has that band tried to cross over? I mean, they've literally done everything. I bet. They ripped off Fallout Boy on the last album. They have, I mean, they've just put all their cards on the table. It's like totally like, hey guys, we'll sell out to any level to get big, and they cannot do it. I almost feel bad for them. Oh, poor guys! I forgot about them entirely. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's the problem. Oh man, We the Kings. Gosh, that was. They had such a great debut album, and if they could have kept that fire going, I think they would have even been better off now than they are now. You know, I mean, I just don't feel like they're in a good place. I don't know what their fan base is. 
they have not crossed over at all, even though they've tried desperately to. They're just kind of stuck in a no man's land. Yeah, their first two albums were really good. Um, when I was at Purdue, they came to play there, and they were uh, a headliner for like an end of the school year festival. Well, not really festival, just like a concert series. And I remember just standing there watching them play in like the parking lot to the football stadium, and just thinking like, these guys are amazing. Yeah. And yeah. They just they just kind of dropped off. Yeah, it's that's kind of a sad story. Although they are playing one of the main stages on the Warp Tour this year against all odds, they're they're still <laughs> hanging in there. Um, and then of course Yellow Card, they've had a huge career resurgence, um, but I don't know if they're gonna like have another big hit single. And I remember when I interviewed Ryan Key at uh, uh, Warp Tour two years ago, he was he was very adamant about how little interest they have in that. So, mm-hmm. um, which on a side note, real quick. I just want to say how bummed out I am about LP leaving that band. I just, I, we were list, I was listening to ocean Avenue this past weekend and I just, I felt sad. Like, Oh my gosh, the next time I see yellow card, LP is not going to be playing drums. And that makes me really sad. I am bummed about that. He was probably the second best live drummer. I can even think of behind Travis Barker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because they both have the thing where while they're drumming no matter what's happening on stage your eyes are glued to them yep absolutely yeah in my mind there's three guys um there's uh travis barker lp and then alex rodriguez of seosin um mm. th- those three yeah you you're watching the drummer when those bands play because uh they're just captivating um so that's a side note but i suppose it can lead us into our, our last little topic here um the Warp Tour lineup is complete. Um, we we felt like we were promised uh, some big news and announcements toward the end that never really came. Uh, what's your take on the on the final lineup? I'm kind of disappointed by it. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a nice lineup. It's fairly diverse, but they don't quite have that just all around clincher that you know you buy the ticket because this band is here yeah. and especially since it being the 20th anniversary, I thought there'd be a few more bigger names yep. to it. Like that sounds really douchey saying it. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I don't think you're wrong at all there. I, you know, the announcements were kind of like, okay, okay. You know, but it, it felt like they were leading us on like, Oh, there's some big ones coming and that didn't happen. So, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. looking here, what I guess would be considered the biggest bands, yellow cards on it. Um, gosh, you know, Finch is back. I guess that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I really want to see that. Finch, but they're only playing like a select few dates. Yeah. Um, let's see. Of Mice and Men, they're really they're they might be the biggest band on this tour. I don't I don't really know. Um, you know, Falling in Reverse is there, unfortunately. So if you're going, just, <laughs> I want to go see them so badly just to see if he gets hit by a water bottle this time. Oh, man, <laughs> I just, I don't I don't get it, but um, that's. That's another thing. Um, Mayday Parade. Um, Bowling for Soup is playing. They're, yep, that's I, true. I think they're still pretty big. Yeah. I, I feel bad because I loved Bowling for Soup, and I haven't listened to like probably the last three or four albums they put out. Yeah. So Bowling for Soup is a band that's going to draw a, a lot of people to work tour, and they're going to watch Bowling for Soup, and then they're going to look at the rest of the bands and be like, what the hell is this? They're going to be that that group. I think it was was a real big fish last year or the year before. There's always that band that like has a pretty good, like a good band that has a pretty big following, but they're like, um, 
they're not part of what the current scene is. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, even last year, seeing Real Big Fish almost made me angry because they're an amazing band that got the last ticket of every date, pretty much. And you just see the crowds just watching out of the venue. Yeah. And they're just sitting there playing to like a select couple hundred people that are just jamming. Yeah. And they're a band that kind of started off as a joke. And I feel like these days they have not gotten the respect they really deserve. Yeah. So mark my words here on at least, uh, when I'm not even, it's going to be more than one on multiple dates. I, I could see this happening, falling in reverse plays, um, next to last set of the day and, uh, bowling with suit plays and people just disappear. And that's going to be heartbreaking, but we should prepare ourselves for it now. Um, the Devil yes. Wears Prada, they're a band that's kind of fallen. I don't feel like they're as big as they were a couple years ago even. Um, no, I definitely haven't heard about them for a long time. Yeah, they put out an album last year to almost like no fanfare. It wasn't bad, but um, uh, it wasn't what I felt was the best. Breathe Carolina is on the main stage, and I, I cannot get a gauge for that band on how big they are. Like Sometimes I think they're <laughs> about to be huge, and I but I don't think they are at all. I really don't know how to play. Well, they've had a couple singles that did fairly well, but they're still yeah. not you know, as big as I think everyone expects them to be. Yeah, they got signed to a major label and then left it the the deal before they even recorded the first album um, and went back to Fearless. So um, because apparently they, they were being asked to write songs they didn't want to write. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're a pop band already. So that's kind of a strange <laughs> thing. Um, I'm looking here to see if there's anything else. The Word Alive, I, I've got some interest in them, you know, but I've seen them before. Issues we've talked about, they're going to be there. It might be bad, but I am happy to see All Time Low back on the ticket, too. Like, it just feels nice having them back in the scene. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, let's see. Cute is what we aim for. We talked about them. That's a weird one. We Are the In Crowd is there. Saves the Day is there. Um, and Anne Berlin, they're breaking up at the end of this year, and they're going to be on Warp Tour. So I definitely, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. I want to see them one last time but yeah after that it gets really meager um mm -hmm. so are you are you excited to see saves the day on warp tour oh i'm i'm always excited to see saves the day there's not a situation where that doesn't come up <laughs> yeah and so they're playing the warhead stage whatever that is this year it's not the main stage um and that that just feels weird to me i hate that um yeah but saves the day is one of those bands that relish the fact that they're not the biggest band out there like that's true they even when they're on stage there's not a lot of movement it's just uh chris conley stands at the mic with his guitar and they just jam that's all they do and they are a huge band with a and with an enormous fan base and they don't need anything bigger it's just they do what they do and they have the support they need yeah and i feel like they're really proud of that fact too yeah that's true um the acoustic basement this year is pretty great. Um, I don't know if you've seen that lineup, but um, you've got Allison Weiss, Anthony Ranieri, Bad Rabbits, Mike Carrera from MXPX is playing, which I am oh, nice. really excited for. That's going to be <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, <laughs> you could almost spend your whole day at the acoustic basement and uh, kind of enjoy enjoy the performances there. Um, <laughs> I remember last year we saw William Beckett there, which was really great. So. Oh, holy shit. I just got a weird surprise. If 
Sorry to completely interrupt the flow of everything. Go for it. I just realized One uh, OK Rock is playing. They're I, I don't a, know what that is. They're a Japanese, uh, I guess you'd call it punk band, that they're exploding Japan really big lately. I'm I'm big into J-Rock yeah. fairly well anyway. And uh, I actually got introduced to them by one of my friends who doesn't listen to Japanese music at all, and he fell in love with them and uh, sent them my way. I'm actually really surprised at the fact that they seem to be having some type of break into the punk scene. What stage are they playing on? Oh, the, the oh, they haven't announced it. I see what you're looking at now. Yeah. Okay. That just shocked the hell. I've been looking at this thing for like days, and I just now noticed that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, see now you now you can be excited to go to Warped Tour. <laughs> uh, Neck Deep is also on the list. They're a band that you uh, wrote a review for their album recently. Yeah, I am. I'm curious to see them. Like, I really enjoyed them, but they're not a band that really grabbed my attention yet. Like, they're a band I feel like within the next few years, they're going to write something amazing, but I feel like they're not quite there yet. Yeah, I would agree with that. Get Scared is on that Kevin Said stage as well. I feel the same way about them. Uh, Beartooth will be interesting. That's Caleb Shomo's new band. He's the guy that used to be the... Uh, the last frontman for Attack Attack, um, but he's in a new band now that's uh, not too bad. Um, so we will see how that goes. So that's us talking about Warp Tour and uh, other stuff. Before we go, let's spend like uh, two minutes talking about this. What did you think of the new Say Anything single, 666? I legitimately have not heard it yet. What? I am oh, so sorry. <laughs> Kyle. Well, have you heard anything about the new album, Hebrews? Uh, the only thing I really, I have honestly been kind of trying to stay away from it because I want to be surprised when it comes out. Yeah. The only thing I really know is the incredible amount of guest singers he has. Oh my gosh, it is insane. That album is loaded. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, in a good, I mean, no, way. The, the single, is it, is it good? <laughs> yeah, I like it. So there's no guitars on the whole album. What? Not a single guitar was played on the album. Interesting. And so... They have like a, uh, they're getting ready to head out on tour and they have built like an all stars lineup of a band to play these I didn't songs. See that. Yeah. yeah. So like Fred Mascherino's in it and it's like, what? Where did that come from? But I feel like every time they go out, they have something that just blows my I went to see them with a Saves the Day in Motion City soundtrack and they had Kenny Vasoli from uh, the starting line just playing bass in the background like it was nothing. Yeah. So. Yeah, say anything. You can never count those guys out. I'm really excited to uh, hear what the new album brings. It's it's going to be completely different, and I think it's a good decision. I think they need to do something kind of weird this time. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. glad that they're they're taking a shot at it. So, all right. Well, um, that'll wrap it up for uh, this episode of the official It's All Dead podcast. Um, please uh, subscribe on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a rating. Tell us what you like or don't like. Um, and then come to our website. It's alldead.com. Read our articles, share them with your friends, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Kyle Schultz, thank you, sir, for joining us tonight. Yes, and thank you for having me. All right, and I'm Kyle Hawk, and we are going to sign off, and we'll catch you next time on the official It's All Dead podcast. Thanks for listening to the official It's All Dead podcast. You can download our podcast at iTunes, and find exclusive music news and content at www.itsalldead.com.